This is episode 141 of Beyond the Bulletin, published on October 21st, 2022. Hello and welcome to episode 141 of Beyond the Bulletin. From the University of Waterloo, I'm Brandon Sweet, editor of the Daily Bulletin. And from Media Relations, I'm Pamela Smythe. On this podcast, we go beyond the pages and pixels of the Daily Bulletin to inform you about important news and views from our community. Coming up in the interview, Christine McWebb, director of the Stratford School, discusses its past 10 years and what's coming up for its future. New episodes of the podcast come out every week, and you can find our archive of past shows and helpful links on the Daily Bulletin website. Please recommend us to your colleagues and connections at Waterloo. Thank you for joining us as we go Beyond the Bulletin. Hey, so there was another milestone, the Grad House. Oh, that's right. The Grad House is celebrating 50 years of being a social hub for graduate students on the Waterloo campus. It's quite a milestone. And of course, the building itself is much older than 50 years. It's the Schweitzer Farmhouse, constructed in the late 1800s. And it was the only building standing when uh, the University of Waterloo's you know, predecessor, the Waterloo College Associate Faculties, purchased the land way back in 1957 to build the campus that we now call home. So what was in there 51 years ago? <laughs> uh, that's a very good question, actually. But if you look back at old pictures of uh, old pictures of sort of the groundbreaking of the building that would become Doug Wright Engineering and that sort of thing, the farmhouse is just sitting there in the background, always there, and it's been there the entire time. It's true. It's like it's it's sitting there watching over us or something. <laughs> That's right. Yes, if it could talk, if those if those impressed concrete walls could talk, yeah. Well, the campus has certainly changed uh, around it. Uh, that's for darn sure. Actually, they're having a uh, they're having a big party on Friday the twenty first uh, with some live music and special uh, special beverages for the evening, uh, different tastings, and even some pulled pork and tacos. So check it out if, if you're in the neighborhood. Let's tell the people what else is going on. Yeah, here's what's been happening. On October 3rd, more than 650 people from the Waterloo community participated in the Hybrid President's Forum. And this was the first time in about two years that uh, the President's Forum had a substantial in-person component, uh, and it was held in the Theatre of the Arts in Modern Languages. Uh, The President commented on recent in-person events on campus and shared an overview of Waterloo at 100. President Goel was joined by Vice President University Relations Sandra Banks on stage in front of a live audience as hundreds more tuned in virtually. They reflected on the renewed energy felt on the university's campuses and recent in-person celebrations and events. The president called attention to the Indigenous Commitment Ceremony and the Truth and Reconciliation Awareness Walk. He noted the importance of these events and of the shared responsibility for everyone in the community to commit to personal learning and education about truth and reconciliation. He also shared an overview of Waterloo at 100, which is a visioning exercise that looks ahead to the University of Waterloo's 100th anniversary in 2057. In his presentation, the president discussed the futures framework, five areas that will help guide the university in thinking about where we're headed as a society and as an institution. The framework starts with thinking about the future of humanity and asking fundamental questions about where the human race is going. He also discussed three forecasts for the university in 2057, centered on graduates, knowledge, and the campus. 
A moderated question and answer period followed the presentation. A full recording of the forum, transcript, and Q&A from the event can be found on the President's Forum website. We'll put a link to the video recording in our show notes. And what's more, you can listen to my interview with the President anytime you like by going to the Beyond the Bulletin playlist on the university's YouTube channel. Just to save you some typing, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. How very helpful of you. The Office of the Associate Vice President Academic is seeking to fill the new position of Assistant Vice President Academic, Academic Leadership and Strategic Initiatives, or AST VPA. The role starts on January 2023 for a two-year term with the possibility of renewal. This position will report to the Associate Vice President Academic and be part of the leadership team within the AVPA's office. The role has three primary areas of responsibility, leading the Academic Leadership Program, leading on behalf of the AVPA, projects undertaken in the implementation of the university's strategic plan, and serving as the AVPA's designate on committees. Applicants to this role should be tenured faculty members who have held and have been successful, that's an important qualifier, in their academic leadership roles. Uh, You can submit materials via email by Friday, October 28th. Full criteria and instructions for applying are on the Associate Vice President Academics website. We'll put the link in our show notes. Now, here's what's coming up. Well, Pamela, it's that time of year again. What time? Convocation time. Ah, the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. And this this year, this fall, it's actually extra special because the university will be marking its 125th convocation on October 21st and 22nd. There will be two ceremonies occurring each day, with ceremonies for the Faculties of Health, Science and Mathematics on Friday, October 21st, and the Faculty of Arts along with the Faculties of Engineering and Environment having their ceremonies on Saturday, October 22nd. The 125th convocation is a milestone for sure. I was going to say it's the quasquicentennial, but that's not exactly right because we're only 65. That's right. But anytime I can say quasquicentennial, I'm happy. That is a perfectly cromulent word. I really, I really like that. Maybe we just say it's our quasquic convocation. <laughs> <laughs> the university's first convocation ceremony was held way back in 1960. So you do the math. So during the week of convocation, the university's central and alumni social channels will see a takeover of convocation-themed stories and content. So check out the homepage for stories on exceptional PhD candidates, class valedictorians, honorary degree recipients, and more. Convocation is a culmination of our students' hard work and dedication, and it's important we celebrate as a community. Follow along and celebrate online with the hashtags you Waterloo grad, you Waterloo traditions, and you Waterloo proud. And the Give Thanks social media contest for convocation is now live on the U Waterloo alumni Instagram. Waterloo graduates and current students can enter to win one of two $500 MasterCard gift cards, courtesy of our BMO University of Waterloo MasterCard partnership. We'll put the link in our show notes. The Sustainability Office and Plant Operations and Environmental Services invite you to participate in Zero Waste Month. From October 17th to 31st, we're all encouraged to take part in fun challenges and events to support waste reduction on campus. Stay tuned throughout the month to get involved and to learn more about some exciting topics, including strategies for reducing food waste, specialty recycling programs on campus, and repairing and upcycling clothing and household items. 
Zero Waste Month activities will include the launch of the Shift Zero Pledge, where you can show your support for a sustainable zero-waste future on campus by signing the pledge. There's the Shift Zero Waste Sorting Game, which you can play to test your sorting smarts. The Shift Zero Waste Sorting app is available for iOS and Android, or you can play it in a web browser. And the Zero Waste Fair, which takes place in the DC Fishbowl on Friday, October 28th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., where you can chat with groups on campus who support waste reduction programs and initiatives. Plus, the first 150 people who bring their own mug will get free coffee. And there's no word on whether that free coffee is itself recycled. For more details, please visit the Zero Waste Month webpage. We'll put that link in our show notes. And now the interview. The Stratford School of Interaction Design and Business is celebrating its 10th anniversary. Our next guest has been there since its inception. Christine McWebb is a professor of digital cultures and also the director of the Stratford School. It is home to the Honors Bachelor of Global Business and Digital Arts, or GBDA, program, and the Master of Digital Experience Innovation, or MDEI. Welcome to the podcast, Christine. Thank you so much. It's very nice to be here. When it started, it was the Stratford campus, and in 2017, it became known as the Stratford School of Interaction Design and Business, a rose by any other name, as they say. But tell me about the significance of the name change. It was a name, not really a name change, but we actually didn't have a name before. So we were just by default called the Stratford campus because it was a campus in Stratford. (laughs) And um, we, in 2017, after many, many consultations, uh, became the Stratford School of Interaction Design and Business in order to reflect appropriately not just the location, but also what we do at the school. And like you said, yes, it was a, a new name, but it was a lot more than that. So we also became an academic unit in its own right which was important because we were uh, able to hire faculty members to have access to research, increase our research profile moving forward. So that was a real game changer. Prior to that date, uh, our faculty members were actually hired into other units in arts, so in fine arts, in economics, communication studies, sociology, and so forth. And they had teaching duties to the Stratford uh, campus at the time. So it was really quite impossible to create a research profile and to create a unit in in its widest sense at the, the Stratford campus. So the Stratford School of Interaction Design and Business was a step into the future of the school. How do you describe the research profile at the Stratford School? Yeah, so since 2017, because of that change, we have hired about um, 10 uh, junior faculty members. And since then, uh, the the research profile, of course, has grown in leaps and bounds. And we now have close to uh, $2 million in in, uh, research funding, which it's, you know, by comparison to other units, it's still quite small, but that is because we're just getting started. And I suspect that there will be a significant growth in the next few years. And what is, I think, quite unique to the Stratford School is that a lot of our uh, faculty members actually apply for grants jointly. So we have a lot of collaborative grants where two or three of our faculty members are part of co-applicants or co-PIs on a grant. And um, that reflects the, the ethos of the Stratford School, which is all about collaboration and interdisciplinarity. Oh, it is. It's all about collaboration. Tell me more. 
Yeah, so even um, when you walk into the building, it's it's right there. So the building was designed for a collaborative study and for collaborative research. When you walk in, um, it's all glass. You can, when you stand in front of it, you can actually see right through it. So in the front and out the back. And as you walk through, there are many, many open collaboration spaces. And then there are also what we call project rooms. Um, they all have glass uh, walls, so no solid doors. Uh, and they're all whiteboarded. And the reason behind this is that when students and faculty members walk around, they can uh, look in and see what others are working on. And it opens up for dialogue. So even in the design of the building, it's all about collaboration. And then um, that's also how we teach. So we are very team based and project based in our um, pedagogy and curricular approach. It's, it has served us quite well. Uh, our students uh, are very apt at uh, teamwork, and this is something that the employers um, have have told us a lot uh, after they had the opportunity to hire our students for internships. It's a beautiful building. I've I've only been I've been there a few times, and uh, I was there for the launch. I recall way back when, mm -hmm, ten years ago. Yeah, um, you've had some other milestones in your development as well. In you know, in addition to becoming an academic unit, is there anything you want to mention here? Um, sure. So as of this year, uh, we uh, are fully co-op. So that was a major milestone. So this uh, cohort of students that's just starting now, they are going to go through the program with mandatory co-op. Um, we did have an internship prior to this, but it was only one internship between year three and year four. So there was quite a bit of pressure from uh, employers who wanted our students for longer than four months. So for an eight, uh, eight month term or they wanted them sooner than having to wait for the next summer. And then the students, of course, um, also wanted co-op because they would have the opportunity not only to make money, but also to be exposed to different careers, which is important because of the interdisciplinary nature of the program. So they would have, they moving forward, they will have the opportunity to be exposed to more than just one co possible career trajectory. So for example, if they do one work term in, let's say, user experience design, and then they realize, well, maybe I want to try something else. And then the next work term, they get hired as into project management, they get to explore various careers. So that was definitely an important milestone. What is user experience design? Tell me about that. Yeah, so user experience design is when we started was a very, very young discipline. Mm -hmm. And it has since then grown into very much um, its own field. And user experience, even the term, just broadly speaking, is about how you experience a product or a service. And product can be physical or digital. So uh, when we first started, our user experience courses were all about how you experience a website. So is it easy to follow through? Is it easy to find the areas that you want to click on? Is it readable? Is it accessible? And, and those kinds of things. The discipline has now moved much broader into what we call um, experience design. So the word user has been dropped because it now includes also physical experiences. So for example, when you go to a museum, what is the best way to walk through the museum? It includes service design. So if you provide a, a service to your customer, what would be the best way from start to finish to move your customer through that experience? So it's actually become much, much broader in terms of its application. The key here is that it's human-centered. It makes me think of Ikea. Exactly, yeah. 
you have to go through, you can only go through their way. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about, about these programs. So the, um, the honors bachelor of global business and digital arts. So I think it's important to know that that is uh, by far our biggest program. So um, it's grown about seven to 10% year over year. And just this last year, we had a, a, a growth of about 35%. Oh, yeah, it's been very successful. Um, we have about eight, seven to 800 students in that program. I think one of the reasons why it's so successful is because our students are being trained not just in one discipline, right? So, for example, user experience is one area that the students study and that is linked to other areas. So I think the best way to describe it is if you look at the three main pillars of creativity, technology and business, which we cover in the program, but we don't cover them as distinct subdisciplines, but we bring them together. So in the first two years, um, the students learn the foundations of uh, videography, of storytelling, uh, of uh, design, user experience design, and interaction design. And then in the last two years, we try to bring to get them to bring everything that they have learned uh, together, culminating with the capstone course in, in fourth year, which is a team-taught and project-based uh, capstone course where they work with either um, a design competition, an industry partner, it depends on the year, on a major project. And at that point, they are asked to bring together the theoretical knowledge in digital cultures, in ethics, so design ethics, and they bring that together with the applied knowledge that they have acquired around, like I said, storytelling, videography, photography, and design. We have had the opportunity several times now where we were able to work um, within the parameters of a design competition in the capstone course. So the biggest one, or the most prestigious one, let's say, I think was the uh, Royal Society of the Arts. Um, and they have an annual design competition. It's out of London, England. It, it just uh, fit very, very well with the capstone course in terms of the curriculum and in terms of timing. So um, they are very, very good in supporting students. They provided us uh, with a lot of curricular material for the course. And so the students participated, they signed up and they participated in this design competition. There were about 700 entries worldwide. So it, it's really quite, quite a stiff competition. And one of our student teams, this was in 2018, won first place for best business case. So um, wow. We were very proud of the students and the um, what they developed. So the challenge was to design for, it was very, very broad. So to design for social good. And it didn't just have to be uh, an app. It could be anything. So our students designed a program, which they called Hungrier. And it was an app with accompanying business case and explanatory uh, video in order to provide long-haul truck drivers with healthier options for eating. So as part of the background research, our students actually spent quite a bit of time interviewing truck drivers and, and learned a lot, I think. I think they did a very thorough job to develop their business case and it led them to win this competition, which was quite amazing. It's fantastic. Now, the Master of Digital Experience Innovation, or MDEI, that's also been around for a long time. Actually, that was our first program. So we, when we first started, before 
um, the building even opened, our current building opened in 2012, of course, um, but we started the MDI program actually in 2011. And um, we had, we recruited kind of at the last minute, 16 students uh, from uh, international and domestic. And we ran the program out of a refurbished hotel um, in downtown Stratford. So that was quite something. <laughs> we have, let's just say that we have moved on since then. Wow. That's kind of, it's kind of a nice story to think of, like, I'm sure it wasn't nice, maybe so nice at the time, but it's, it's a nice thing to look back on and say, well, look how far we've come. Yeah, that, but also actually it was nice at the time because it was, it was, there were only 16 students. And so we could really take our time and, you know, the ratio professor to student, I mean, one to 16 is, is amazing. Right. And I, I think they actually had a very, very good experience. You know, I mean, it was a startup operation. Yes, we still had to iron out a lot of kinks in where we wanted to go. But I think it was it, it was nonetheless a good experience for the students. Now, what are some of the challenges that you face? You're what is it 40, 45 minutes down the road? Yeah. So, I mean, the pandemic has certainly helped in that regard. I mean, we are much more used to online meetings now. But I mean, there's a difference between an online meeting and an online course. And it is especially because collaboration is so important uh, for the student experience in our program. We are uh, quite sure that we will remain an in-person program. We have moved um, two or three courses maybe online or to a hybrid format, but that was for pedagogical reasons, not for distance or anything like that. So we are an in-person program. And because we are an in-person program and because we are an off-site campus, um, uh, it, it does come with challenges. And I would say the two largest challenges that we've always had is transportation and um, housing. And so this is definitely, definitely our number one uh, issue that we are trying to resolve. I can say that we are actively... Uh, working towards a, a solution um, and that the transportation actually has increased. For the last year, um, we've been very actively engaged with uh, various stakeholders to discuss the possibility of um, student housing in Stratford. And those conversations are going very well. Um, also with the, the university, uh, it is something that we are pursuing. And um, in the more short term, we have increased transportation options for our students. Uh, in terms of there is now a bus route that goes between Stratford and Waterloo that our students can take advantage of. And we have been able uh, to talk to them and adjust their schedule. So it's actually quite conducive to our uh, schedule for classes. And then we also have a shuttle service that we have put in place um, in the shorter term. And that's also well used by the students. A lot of the students carpool, so they organize themselves. So uh, I, there's no issue getting the students there. It's just that it's it's not an ideal world, right? So I think we can do better. And that's what we're striving for. What else is coming up for the future? We are also in the process, approval process for a master's and PhD program in user experience design and research. And um, it's projected to launch in 2024. And the reason why um, we decided to develop a PhD program and the master's as well, but uh, for the PhD is that um, there actually isn't one in in the field in Canada. Ooh. So a lot of our yeah a lot of our young faculty members come from the states and Europe, 
And so that is a gap in our educational system in this country. And so that is a gap that we are trying to to address um, with those programs. And then longer term, we certainly want to strengthen our research profile. And I think that's going to be uh, a natural course because we continue to to hire uh, very, very strong, excellent faculty members. And so that's going to, to happen. Uh, we provide them with a lot of support. So I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about that. And uh, we are certainly off to an excellent start when it comes to our research profile as well. Wonderful. So this would be the first PhD program of its kind in Canada? That's correct. Yeah. So there's there's nothing close to what we are proposing because our, again, our PhD program will be interdisciplinary in nature. And um, this is not something that uh, exists in, in the country at this point. So basically, you're starting from scratch. Yeah, well, this is what we seem to do. <laughs> We, we also started from scratch when we, when we created the other programs. So why not do it? Why not do it again? <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. I mean, to, to me, I know the curriculum development, it's not, it's not exciting for everybody. But for my colleagues, uh, this actually has been led by my associate director for grad, Leonard Knack. So he has been in charge of this and they've done an excellent job. Uh, we have a small committee that we put together and we've had quite um, extensive consultations with other uh, programs and um, the Faculty of Arts uh, internally as well. You start with identifying where the gaps are and then the nature of the program. So do you want to build a traditional PhD program? Do you want to incorporate elements that perhaps are a little bit more innovative and so forth? And then We've been working on this for a couple of years now, and it eventually takes shape. And so we have submitted it, and um, we are just waiting for feedback now. Uh, it goes to quality assurance, um, which is a body internal to the university for approval. And then it comes back to us, and then it goes all the way up to Senate for final approval. Well, what do your graduates go on to do? The graduates from our Global Business and Digital Arts program um, have quite a, a broad choice of careers. The placement rate is very high. It's 98% in, desired, in their desired field, and it ranges from front-end developers, so working on web design, uh, to communication specialists. Uh, marketing is a big one, so social media marketing. A lot of our students end up in that. Project management, uh, product design. And then quite a number of students actually start their own company. So we don't have a formal education in entrepreneurship, but we do support it. And we work with other um, units on campus like Velocity and, and other units uh, to kind of participate in their programming. And the students take advantage of those opportunities and they start their own company. Well, it sounds like you have a lot going on and a lot to celebrate. Um, I'm delighted for you to have this milestone anniversary. And there's been so much growth along the way. How are you going to celebrate? October 28th, we are going to be celebrating our 10th anniversary. And um, I think um, most of it will be centered around the students as it should be. By students, I mean current students and alumni. So I hope that a lot of our alumni come out. It would be lovely to see them again. Um, the students will have an opportunity to showcase their best projects on that day. And then uh, alumni will also have the opportunity to participate in some really exciting workshops that we are putting on and that are being led by some of our industry partners. 
uh, with whom we have close relationships. This has been great. Anything else you want to say before we say goodbye? I'd just like to say uh, that this was a lot of fun. And like I said, I look forward to seeing many, many, many people um, at our event on the 28th. And I certainly look forward to the next 10 years to see what we can do in the next 10 years at the Stratford School and how we can make it grow. Me too. And I'll put a link to the celebration in our show notes on SoundCloud so people can click and get more information and hopefully make plans to attend. Sounds good. Thank you. Christine, thank you so much for speaking with me. You're welcome. Well, that about wraps it up for us this week. To ensure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to the Beyond the Bulletin podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And please recommend us to your colleagues and Waterloo alumni. You can find us on Twitter at UW Daily Bulletin. Select interviews are on the university's YouTube channel. Just look for our Beyond the Bulletin playlist there. You can reach us by email at bulletin at uwaterloo.ca. As always, thanks for listening as we went Beyond the Bulletin. It's funny, they actually, Conrad just is celebrating its 20th anniversary. So there's a lot of, a lot of anniversaries, a lot of milestones. Mm-hmm.